1: Hello and welcome to episode 122 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Chris, and this is Paris. Hello. This time we read Power Mage by Hondo Jinx. Which,
0: (laughs) yeah, like, what is that? I can't. A person from the Star
1: Wars universe wrote this book. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) From a galaxy far, far away, we bring. He's
1: um. He's one of those like, not the Admiral Akbar fish face guys, but like the other fish face guys. You know that one I'm talking about? There's, like, one in the bar in Tatooine. There's also, like, one in the Rebel uh, Alliance somewhere. Yeah, fish face.
0: I don't know about star (laughs) people. It's it's the
1: non-Calamarian or whatever the Akbar people are called.
0: (laughs) Calamarian? Yeah, they're from
1: Calamari or something. Wow. All right, anyway, this is by Hondo Jinx, one of the fish people from Star Wars. (laughs) It appears to have been self-published in August of 2019. We read this at the request of our patron, Austin, formerly known as Tommy Wizzohaha. Uh, Austin's request was impossible to resist because he sent us the following message. I reflected greatly on what book my patron request should be. Should I inflict this pain upon others? But ultimately, with a great and heavy heart, I must request Power Mage by Hondo Jinx. Because it has been haunting me, living deep within my mind at every moment of my day, and my Catholic Church refuses to exorcise this demon from me. I hope that I might, I hope that I may find catharsis and Schadenfreude in this request. I just need someone, anyone, to explain the scene where someone tit fucks a Corona bottle and then eats it.
0: <laughs> I mean, how could we resist a request that one indicates a scene in the book has a? beer bottle tit fucking and eating scene and then also suggest i mean, I can
1: resist it paris i could i would like to be able to say no sometimes uh, but-
0: <laughs> well i mean for for the purposes of this show it's it's a pretty good um teaser and secondly the prospect that someone has essentially decided that we are exorcists we help exercise that's terrible true. book demons. I really like this that.
1: This is a service that we provide. I, really like that. I never thought about framing this as altruistic.
0: Terrible book exorcist. Fuck yeah, that's my
1: title. Come to us with, with your horrible demons that plague your brain. And I guess we'll try to explain it to you somehow. <laughs> I don't know how this process really exercises anything. I but... think I
0: think the sharing of pain. What is it? Paired Shane is pa- pain. pit. Pa- pa- yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. Pain. Pain. <laughs> Paired Shane is Shane paired.
0: God fucking damn it. I hate myself. You know, as the saying goes, pain halved is pain. No, pain shares.
1: What, Paris? Who has ever said I don't think anyone's ever said this before. Is this a saying or no, are you I just saying
0: it? No, I, it is a saying, but I might also be short-circuiting. That you can't remember. Um, no. I think it's paired Shane
1: yeah that's the saying
0: (laughs) why why (laughs) is like in my mouth are you looking up of
1: saying that no that you made up yourself
0: (laughs) no it's not okay this is the quote uh I guess it's oh I guess it's a Neil Gaiman Neil Gaiman quote pain shared is pain not doubled but halved which is what I was trying to say
1: Man, for something a writer said, that's really awkward.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I've just had people say that to me. I had no idea it had a sort of modern uh, origin. Well, apologies for right, my. Well, what are we even doing here, Paris? <laughs> my brain not working. Um, yeah, so if you've never listened to the show before, um, other than totally fucking up the opening segment, what we also do here is we read books that we assume will be bad. And we base this on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of those things. And sometimes, like today, we read books that our patrons, listeners, or friends recommend. So we usually do the opposite of what most people do when they're browsing a bookstore or the internet looking for something to read. And typically, this experiment results in a disappointing read. But once in a while, we do actually end up liking the book. Uh, Content warnings today. So in addition to our usual barnyard language, today's episode includes discussion of guns, harems. Graphic sex and violence. Fuck, they are not in alphabetical order again. Chris, did you do this to me (laughs) on purpose? No, I'm healing
1: you. I'm healing you, Paris. No, I didn't touch this at all.
0: (sighs) Anyway, guns, harems, graphic sex, violence. I don't know how graphic we'll get with the sex, but just just in case we end up there, I just want to throw that in. All right, Chris, uh, do you want to uh, read us the back of the book summary? Tell us what Power Mage is all about.
1: What would you risk to become the most powerful person on Earth? After discovering a secret psionic society, bull rider Brawley Hayes learns he has the unique potential to control all seven psychic energies. He just needs a teacher from each order. Seven orders, seven amazing powers, seven beautiful teachers. Can Brawley bond with these women, unlock incredible powers, and destroy his enemies? This tough Texan will damn well try but he would better hurry but you'd better hurry what what <laughs> wait <laughs> what? hold on Chris, did it you... says but he'd better hurry and then it says but you'd better hurry that i didn't what? that's i that's here <laughs> that's... look paris Chris, <laughs> can't i can't see, see
0: your phone through the internet right now um
1: <laughs> go look at the page go I look actually the amazon page right to. now paris <laughs>
0: that's that's really and i'm going to continue uh yeah
1: because everyone is hunting him. All seven orders, a shady government bureau, the Psionic Mafia, and they'll use any weapon from guns to psychic attacks to seductive sex to stop him. Warning, Power Mage is the first book in an explosive series containing graphic violence, a modern cowboy who's tougher than a nickel steak, and a harem of gorgeous women who wreak serious havoc with their minds. Read at your own risk.
0: Uh, I can confirm, Chris. It does say... But he'd better hurry, but you'd better hurry. I don't really know what they were going for. Like, now you're brawling. Why do I have
1: to hurry? (laughs) I don't don't have to be anywhere. I'm not involved in this.
0: Chris, this book is going to self-destruct. This book is only for tough men who are willing to risk everything to read this book to jerk off like three times. It's really... (laughs) I
1: certainly risked everything reading this book. Anyway, we completely fucked up that entire opening segment but why don't you hopefully you'll do better with the characters and setting and our well the summary that i wrote for you to read to everyone else
0: yeah um all right so our setting is key west florida for the most part and our main characters are brawly Hayes. yes brawly that's the first name i guess um nina
1: it is in dragon ball z
0: Oh, but it's spelled differently. I think you were telling it's me spelled Broly, ah. but it's Brawly. Brawly, um, Nina, Brawly's uh, big titty goth girlfriend stereotype number one. Sage, the I am a nerd stereotype that is his girlfriend number two. Ah, uh, Remy, the uh, Corona bottle tit fucker and glass eater earlier mentioned. Junior Dutchman, the Psy mob uh, princeling. I don't know. He's like the son of the yeah. head of the mob. Uh, Hazel, who is an old seeker, which is a type of magic person, but not the Terry Goodkind seeker from that very popular series. <laughs> maybe, maybe different. Use a, maybe use Got different you, words. Maybe use different words. I know
1: it's all horny and stuff up in here, but just stay out.
0: <laughs> uh, and then we have David. Uh, Nina, the big titty goth goth girlfriend, uh, David is her brother. And Nina's dad, Xander. And then there's also some various cops and side characters. That's pretty much it. All right. So in an effort to make these reviews a little less confusing, we have begun to give you plot summaries of all the important elements of the book so that when we're complaining about it, you know what the fuck we're talking about. So I give to you Chris's summary of Power Mage. One day, an incel's idea of the perfect man, Brawly, is walking by some kind of cat-related street performance when the cat is suddenly tossed into the sea by a mysterious force. Brawly decides to just think really hard at the cat and is able to telekinetically pull it from the ocean. Suddenly, he is dragged away by an incel's idea of the hottest girl ever, Nina. She is the big titty goth girlfriend meme, but with psionic powers, here to tell Brawly he is a mage, and then they fuck. The fucking unlocks more of Brawly's powers, which, in addition to telekinesis, also involves Nina instantly falling in love with Brawly and wanting to serve him. She actually mentions the gore book series, Jesus Christ. Anyway, Nina takes him to meet Sage, her friend who can see the truth, a seeker. Which is a vague way to say, sort of clairvoyant and really smart. Sage, of course, wants to fuck Brawly too, but for science, you see. And Nina's cool with it, because, you know cool big titty goth girlfriend and so Brawly unlocks another power level and now Sage is in love with him and Nina. Meanwhile, that cat from the start was thrown in the ocean psionically by Junior Dutchman we later learn, who is the son of the Psy Mafia boss. He's got a chip on his shoulder because Brawly and Nina made a big scene about rescuing the cat and running away which for some reason would anger Junior's dad even though Junior started the whole thing and was just a fucking cat. He knows where Nina lives and has some thugs ambush Nina and by coincidence, Brawly, in an attempt to clean up his mess by making a bigger mess. Of course, the thugs are all murdered in broad daylight by Brawly because he is a sharpshooter because manly. Nina and Brawly escape, go back to his fuckabago in a grocery store parking lot and prepare to skip town. Nina's psionic dad invades her brain to check in on her while she's on a shopping trip and she agrees to meet with him later. When she goes to the meeting point, finds out he's not there, she hears him panicking in her mind so she rushes to warn her stepbrother david but instead just scares the shit out of him makes him cry and fart and shit his pants and run away essentially not literally he does cry and run away uh nina goes back to the fuckabago to fuck brawly one more time but then sage shows up to warn them that junior is close with his thugs they pull off a distraction maneuver and kill junior and said thugs then rush off into the sunset for more male power fantasy adventures. Also, I guess, fuck David and Nina's dad and making sure they're safe.
1: <laughs> yeah, she was real concerned about it for one chapter.
0: <laughs> and then nothing matters and That anymore. chapter
1: was just separate from any sort of personality that she had in the rest of the entire book.
0: <laughs> yeah. Not that
1: there's much there.
0: Uh, no. All right, so um, I just want... I want Austin to know that we have not forgotten about the tit-fucking-corona-bottle glass-eating scene, and we will get there.
1: Yeah. For now. Just
0: for now. Let's talk about patient. things that were good. Things that were good about this sure. book. Sure.
1: You know, there's a bright side to everything.
0: I, Chris, I don't, you know, we're, we're, we're <laughs> actually in the middle of reading the next book, and I don't know. Mm, that's, true. that's true. That's true. That's true.
1: That's true. But let's not talk about uh, the next book when we're on this episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, all right. Things that were good. For me, I actually felt like the story was decently paced. And it was a quick read at just under 240 pages. The writing itself. Yeah, it
1: was like three hours for me. It, you know, as terrible books go, that's a solid amount of hours I'm willing to spend on one book.
0: Yeah, it, I read it in two sessions. It was it was easy to, easy to fly through. Uh, the writing itself was almost entirely free of typographical errors. So it was edited. Yay. It seemed to be edited both for, you know, content somewhat and actual grammar and and spelling and things like that. Hooray. So, um, I, you know, this is great considering it's a self-published work. We don't always see that. Um, there is two, two other small things. So, uh the author really nails the the hardened cop on the verge of retirement vibe in this one chapter. Even even though it's cliché, I got to yeah, say, I mean, it shows
1: everything in here, but like but
0: that one is that chapter like I gave so much more of a shit about Jamal the hardened cop and his work at MHI, I mean, FPI. Uh <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um. So
1: It has a lot of similarities to MHI We'll get to that later Yeah,
0: MHI is uh, Monster Hunter International uh, One of which we read a long time ago And they have a similar function Like instead of sort of the FBI for monsters They have like the FBI for the paranormal It's the FBI And Jamal is an agent in the FBI But seriously, his chapter? I wanted to fucking ride with him I wanted to read a book about Jamal Give me more of that
1: Because his stereotype wasn't just walking idea of what manliness should be to anyone that is 13 and on the internet for too long.
0: Yeah, and also he had, I don't know, more compelling reasons for doing the things he was doing. So I really was like, damn, where is the book about this dude? (laughs) Why can't I read that book? Um, And uh, my last good point is that either Hondo, the author, which... That can't be his real name. Is that his real name? I feel bad if it's oh, his real name. That's not his
1: real name, I Paris. He's so. writing smart on the internet. <laughs> you don't use your real name for that. I
0: don't think so. But, you know, in the interest of not being too big of a jerk, if it is someone's real name, I don't want to be too much of an asshole. But it does sound like a really lame, made-up name that you would pick. So, whatever. Anyway. Paris,
1: it's, if, it's a, if it's a real name, I will do something. I, I don't know what I'm willing to bet for this. Chris, will I don't you, know. Will
0: you eat a hat?
1: Oh, <sighs> uh, probably not. My stomach's bad enough lately, I man. I don't need to do any, any damage to it.
0: Well, no, I mean like a nacho hat, not like a block.
1: Oh, a fo- if it's a food hat, sure. Yeah, I'll <laughs> eat whatever food hat you got for me.
0: All right. Um, anyhow, either Hondo himself, the author, or the Brawley character, has the correct opinion about Tabasco sauce. And I would like to read that correct opinion to you, because it was the only time in the book I went, yeah i agree with that
1: (laughs) i guess if it was a hat made out of like hardened tabasco i might have a problem with that because this is the correct opinion about tabasco
0: all right this is the passage i'm referring to y'all have any hot sauce brawley asked tabasco all right brawley wasn't a big fan of tabasco he liked taste or heat oftentimes you had to surrender one for the other Tabasco dwelled in a weird twilight zone that didn't deliver much of either, but it was better than no hot sauce at all. I agree.
1: I actually would rather have no hot sauce than Tabasco.
0: Oh, wow. No, I got to have. I mean, anything is better than than no spicy sauce. It's
1: just like this watery nothing sauce.
0: Yeah, but if you put enough on, it's at least something.
1: Nah, I'd rather have nothing. I'd rather have. (laughs) Terrible hot (laughs) sauce (laughs)
0: club. All right. All right, well, <clears throat> that, that brings us to the end of the things that we thought were good about this book. That's it. Chris, I don't know, did you did you forget anything, or was that it?
1: No, that's you covered it. All it's right. the correct Tabasco opinion. That's about it. That's all I care about.
0: Okay, cool. So, uh, all right, well, we are already <laughs> at the things that were not good section of this book. I mean, the opening line of the book, <clears throat> his name was Brawley Hayes. I mean, Brawley, I mean, like, really, Brawl... He
1: spends so much of the book, like, with the other characters making fun of him for the name also, which I guess you're supposed to take as, yes, I understand how stupid this name is. I'm in on the joke with you. But are you, or are you just justifying the fact that you can't come up with a better name? Because as we're going to see in the rest of this book, I'm pretty sure there's a stunning lack of creativity happening across the board for Mr. Jinx.
0: Yeah, I <clears throat> I don't know. I just don't think that the clever in joke of his name being stupid was as clever and fun as the author thought it was it, it just was really i don't know i we could have done without it just it's not worth it just pick a pick a more pedestrian name next time just just cut it out um Harris
1: if you would do me a favor actually yes can you look up broly from dragon ball z on google images please i just want to get your raw reaction
0: okay images Oh, oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh!
0: Yeah, that's terrifying.
1: I, that's honestly, with the way this book reads, he should have looked like this anyway. Yeah, he should have just looked like Broly from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> wow,
0: all a right. walking mound <laughs> of muscles. Well, <sighs> all right. Uh Yeah, so Broly, at the beginning of the book, explains how he ended up in Key West because he's from. I don't remember Texas, he's from West Texas. And he says, oh, I had a dream where I saw all these things in Key West, so I figured I'd come here. And I'm like, dude, do you not know the difference between, like, a mystical calling and seeing advertisements? Like, I feel, <laughs> I feel like advertisements will do that. They'll bury their way into your subconscious. That's how they work. And you might you might dream about them. Uh, so, yeah, man confuses advertised (laughs) mystical calling goes to key west uh that's how this book starts
1: i mean i i agree i've totally had dreams about like you know fast food that i see on billboards just like i'm eating somewhere or something i have a lot of eating dreams in general to be honest with you
0: i mean food is food is good um and you know i know in previous episodes we've discussed we i think we've said like tulsa as the epicenter of hell and various other places but (laughs) i think you know if we if we are in hell and it is in fact like a you know a tiered system Key West moved in upstairs. You know, in this book, yeah, mm. it convinced me that Key West is an aspect of hell. Like It is a level of hell. Um, there's always Jimmy Buffett or a Jimmy Buffett cover band playing everywhere. Everywhere you go in <laughs> Key also West. It's just muggy all the time, right? Isn't it just swampy all the time there? I don't know. I've never been to Key West, but the way the book describes it does not make me want to go. So there's just Jimmy Buffett everywhere. And I think...
1: Buffett people.
0: It's the... <laughs> buffet people this is where the butter people come to retire which further proves that it is a level of hell
1: yes exactly so can't talk too much about them this episode though. we got to keep on the down low (sighs) they made themselves known to us let's say
0: well now we know where they go to retire that's true where they go
1: so we'll find you butter people
0: but anyway, I just thought it was really weird that there were, there were like four references to Jimmy Buffett in a 240-page book. It just seemed a little excessive. And I don't know if he was trying to make the point The Key West sucks and all you hear is Jimmy Buffett. But I, I couldn't really tell.
1: Maybe that's the only thing he can think of that sounds kind of like Florida. Like a Florida thing.
0: Is Jimmy Buffett a Florida thing? I don't fucking know.
1: But it sounds like Florida. <sighs> I think that's the point.
0: Ugh. So there are a lot of, this is just a big old laundry list of stuff. So at the very beginning of the book, when he, you know, is walking by this sort of cat trick sideshow and the cat gets tossed into the ocean, I still don't quite understand why his first inclination is to like Super Saiyan about it. Like, oh, oh, I got the cat with my mind. Like, why would that be? Well, I mean, he's used to
1: it from fighting Goku from before, so.
0: (laughs) Well, no, he's not the Dragon Ball Z dude. But I just... You know, in my mind, I'm like, wouldn't you just... Just swim? Can he not swim? Maybe he doesn't know how to swim. And so he was like, let me just think really hard to save the cat. It's really
1: his first thing that he tries.
0: That's what I'm saying. That's why it's so strange. Yeah.
1: He has a lot of questionable first instincts in this intro. Most notably the part where there are a couple of guys off to the side who turns out to be like Junior Dutchman and his cronies or something later on. Mm -hmm. And... They're watching this cat show, which I'm still unsure what the cat street show was.
0: It was just a guy having his cats do tricks. I don't, is this a thing in Key West? I don't know. It was a strange way to open a book. (laughs) I was
1: like, what the fuck? Anyway, there's a couple of, because the cat is like climbing a ladder or some kind of.
0: Yeah, because she was going to walk like a cat tightrope or something, I think.
1: So some of these guys off to the side go, hope that cat doesn't fall off. And Brawley immediately wants to fight them. Like he's like, I <laughs> yes! just wish I could go over there and punch those assholes. It's like that's a very mild comment. Maybe it's not like the nicest thing you could say, but it's as far as shitty comments to make, perhaps the mildest possible. It's the Tabasco of insults, Paris.
0: So they're taunting the Cat Wizard, which is what the performer goes by. Brawley hates them for it. Instead of just not even thinking about it. And then he rescues the cat and everyone's mad at him because he's done some kind of magic in front of people. But like people, it was a magic show. People would just think it's part of the, the show so like yeah. I don't there is no conflict yeah, in this book like this is such <laughs> bullshit right? there, there is no like, reason for any of this to be set off by the this events this is totally portals. a
1: scenario that would be set off by like to get really get people's attention for some street magic shit where there's like a, some guy that says like I hope the cat doesn't fall and then the cat like you know you have like a, a string or like a drone that people can't see and it takes the cat off into the ocean somehow and then it gets brought back through magic or something and it I mean, I would definitely question myself a little bit, like, "Oh, how'd they do that?" But if it was like explicitly a street magic show, it's kind I would of not, within the realm of possible.
0: Yeah, no, I would not think about it. I'd just be like, "Wow, cool trick." Move on with my life and my day. Like, yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Um, anyway, it's just but a the- real like paper mache thinness, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that we're starting off here, you know, with with this plot point to set off the tension. It just really doesn't hold up. Um. Yeah, I don't know, and like the main characters' two personality traits are basically bull rider and grandma lover. Um, and Chris, you all- actually know he has three traits. Uh, the last of which is big penis haver. That is his third trait. Um,
1: imperative for a, a male power fantasy erotica.
0: Yes. This and I don't know if this is the author or the character. This is sort of the same question I had with uh, Emily Henry's Beach Read, but Hondo Jinx and Emily Henry either like they need to bone because they are both so into sharp, pointy bones. (laughs) Emily (laughs) was talking about collarbones and pelvic bones. Emily Henry wanted to wanted people scraping scraping against each other, and Hondo here fucking loves collarbones. He won't stop talking about Nina's collarbones. I just, I don't know. These two need to, they got to bang it out. Like just you two go right off into the fuckabago sunset. I don't like seeing bones. Yeah. It's a strange thing. Again, you know, people are into what they're into, but it is extra weird to see this again after we just saw the weird scraping stuff in the book. Uh, So yeah, Emily Henry and Hondo Jinx, uh, a match made in literary hell. Um <clears throat> so we can I guess we can just start talking about Nina. So as we've oh, said yeah, let's
1: let's talk about Nina. Nina <laughs> We've already <laughs> talked about Brawly a little bit. Let's get to Nina.
0: Yeah, so Nina is again, quite literally the big titty goth girlfriend meme. If you don't know what this is, just Google it. Um you know, as the Oh, that's a fun search. Business. I
1: yes, definitely search that.
0: I don't know. I'm sure it's it's fine. Maybe not at work, but
1: Oh, yeah, it's definitely fine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, you know, it's it's the sort of, uh, I guess, or shall we say, goth slash alternative young woman who's 21 or something, or 23, as described by someone who does not actually know anyone who looks like that in real life. She or is, partakes
1: in any of that culture that that no. look might be associated with.
0: She is, like, the er-woman. She is slender and curvy and toned her. She also has Nina also has the er hair. Her hair is long and flowing and purple half shaved and also a faux hawk. And I just like all that together. How do you put that?
1: Okay. So if it's long, I understand that it's, she's got a long purple piece somewhere. Uh She's got the, like the undercut sort Mm -hmm. of like the side of the head shaved somewhat. But then how is that also a faux hawk? I thought the whole deal with a faux hawk is that both sides are shaved so that there's a strip down the middle, but it's not necessarily like spiked up as no, a no. No,
0: faux no, hawks are, are just kind of like, I don't know how to say this. It doesn't usually involve shaving either sides of your head. That's why it's a faux hawk. You're just kind of shaping and pushing the hair to the center. But it's normally people with shorter hair have that. So I don't know. It's I just the long part that I, really yeah, baffles me. It's the long and half-shaved and faux hawk, like all of those things together. I'm not sure. If it's
1: half-shaved, <laughs> does that mean it's like a very lopsided one? Yeah, like one side yeah. of it doesn't have. So it's a half faux hawk where it's just one side is pushed up. Dude, I fucking. And then there's don't. nothing on the other I, side. I
0: don't know. I the description <laughs> here needs to be fixed. It is confusing. <laughs> Um, I don't think
1: this person has ever seen a faux hawk or people with the shaved side of their heads.
0: Yeah, so so like not only is Nina just described in totally ridiculous a totally ridiculous way, um, she continues to, <laughs> to sort of be... Uh, Chrissy, I'm going to let you handle this because you have the, the best explanation of Nina.
1: So in the early stages of the book, it really makes you dwell on... Hey man, she's so hot. She's got the the boobs. She's got a butt too. Hey, you should look at that. Oh my god, so toned and slender and curvy. She looks like a Victoria's Secret model, which is a phrase that I see used in a lot of these male-gazy erotica things mm-hmm. happening here. And I just have a problem with why is Victoria's Secret upheld as the, the hottest thing you could be is a Victoria's Secret model? I First of all, Victoria's Secret is kind of old hat at this point anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like that's some like fucking like you're in your 40s or 50s if you're still jerking off to that shit or something. But and it it strikes me as something that it's for someone who is told by others what they should like, if that makes any sense, Paris. Yeah. Because yes, Victoria's Secret models are supposed to be Because they have these runway shows and that's where the lingerie is sold and where you shop for the sexy underwear for your girlfriend. Therefore, those models have to be the sexiest, as we've heard from, I don't know, media? And I don't even know where this is coming from, to be honest for you. Because at this point, there are so many other sources of where the hottest ladies are. Why not default to, like, Instagram model? Because I feel like that, if we're talking about cliché looking conventionally attractive women, thats we're probably getting more of them from there, right? That's where most people are getting their source of those kinds of images anyway. Yeah, I kind of don't know where I'm going with this, Paris, besides the fact that this terminology strikes me as the kind of things someone would say or use when they don't really have an idea of what they're trying to sell beyond the hottest. They're not actually describing anything unique about a person or something specifically beautiful about them just like ah it's like one of them victoria's secret models it's like one of those hot girls that are out yeah,
0: there. yeah it's just unfortunate that all of these authors tend to fall in these same tired beauty cliches like western white beauty cliches of the victoria's secret model um and this this came up in uh not too long ago a few books ago this was also oh in ha- in hunted Victoria's Secret yes. model is also used to describe a fucking ancient goddess being hot. Like, <laughs> fuck you. Ancient goddesses were... <laughs> like, no, that does not make any sense. Um, but, yeah, it just, I don't know. It just sucks to see this over and over again, um, especially when there's a lot of different types of beauty in the world. And like you said, Chris, I mean, when you asked, you know, rhetorically, I think, where is this coming from? Well, it's kind of coming from everywhere. It's coming from... <laughs> You're being assaulted uh by various forms of media at almost all times uh, with these these sort of white western beauty standards i think it's it's pretty much everywhere but like you were saying earlier it's like people are just being told what to like and they don't even think about it you know of course you have to like take in external stimuli <laughs> to figure <laughs> out what you like but you yes. actually have to do the step of analyzing it and thinking like oh people are saying you know this woman is attractive do I really feel that way or do I just accept it and just tell myself that that's, what's attractive people really miss that step of like analyzing, is this really hot to me? And if so, why? And that's, that's the part that we're getting to. That's really kind of unfortunate here is that, you know, if you're into the Victoria's secret model thing, that's fine. if, If it's what you're really into, but unfortunately it's kind of this oppressive idea that's sold to all people uh women men etc and i think a lot of people just take it in without any sort of filtering or or critical thinking and yeah i don't know it's just real and when you're reading a book it's just tired it doesn't give you any information <laughs> it's just like oh cool okay that again there
1: was this line especially in at the beginning of the third chapter when in Again, we've already been told how hot Nina is about four or five times in just chapter two beforehand. And this is sort of a spectacular one. Nina parked and came down the sidewalk looking super hot in combat boots, white short shorts and a star spangled bikini top that showed off the tan perfection of her flat abs, shapely breasts and sexy collarbones. Oh my god, yes, I understand. She's so hot. So hot to someone that is just a, a golem made solely of American propaganda <laughs> and s- conventional beauty standards would accept, I suppose.
0: Oh, yeah. And then right before or right after that, no, I think it's right after that, she ties a cherry stem with her tongue. You know, that classic right, 90s, like, 90s trick.
1: <sighs> How many times have I fucking had to, like, read that already? Why is that? Like, it was it's cool maybe the first two times you see it, and then you're just copying someone else's idea of what's hot. Have a little personality here. By the way, I have a huge bone to pick with, about the sex scenes <laughs> in, this, in terms of hotness, <laughs> which we'll get to when we get to, but I just want to say that I have, like, in terms of being uncreative, by far it's the sex scenes that make me the angriest. Actually, can I get into this now, Paris?
0: Uh, I guess if you want to, go for it. Yeah, but we do have a few more Nina things to tick through after that.
1: You know what? Let's do the rest of the Nina thing, and then I'll get on this rant, because I have... I'm steaming about it.
0: Oh, wow. All right. Chris is steamed. Chris is a steamed ham over this. All right. So so we have, you know, the American propaganda golem of Nina. Oh, but she has purple hair and wears an anarchy t-shirt, and... Really hot fishnets, so or like,
1: star-spangled <laughs> bikini tops. So,
0: God. And and so Nina, you know, does is just does not really have a personality, and she says thing. The dialogue pieces that she's given are, are just cringy and laughable. I'll give you my two favorites here. Um, they are in her tiny bungalow house, which I guess is a tiny Florida home. Uh, it, I don't know it said something about how it was like 300 square feet or something and she sits down and he's like really stunned that her place is clean and has like okay furniture and she goes uh, do you think I lived in a mosh pit? which like doesn't even make any sense. Like, I just don't even know why you would put that as yes, a Yes, I live in,
1: con- in just this one mosh pit. There's been this I- Slayer show that's been going on for 20 years, and I just kind of took up residence in the middle of the pit.
0: You know, with all the, the people constantly moshing, it, it has great airflow. You know, I don't even have to get yeah. AC. <laughs>
1: You know, if I fall down, there's always someone there to pick me up. It's kind of annoying when I'm trying to go to bed at night because everyone (laughs) assumes that I've fallen over in the pit. And they keep trying to pick me up. And I'm just so tired all the time. But, I mean, the rent is pretty low. I just have to pay the ticket price to get in. So that was just like 20 bucks like four months ago.
0: (laughs) That's where I live now. In a mosh pit. It's just such a strange, like, someone who has heard of a mosh pit once and doesn't understand how to really use it in a joke. I just don't think it works. And then, secondly, Nina says this other ridiculous thing. Uh, when Brawley is, you know, admiring her star-spangled breasts uh, in her American propaganda golem costume, she says, "My badass Skrillex haircut is up here."
1: God oh, in heaven, who the fuck <laughs> shoot would me in ever- the fucking brain right now, parents.
0: <laughs> who the fuck would ever say that? Like,
1: <laughs> if someone said that to me, I would just turn and walk into the ocean because I'm in Key West, Florida. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and death is always conveniently near. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Just turn around like, oh, you did their death? Okay, I'm, now's the time. Let's go. I'm done.
0: So those, are some, so those are some really amazing pieces of dialogue that this poor Nina character is given. And, you know, to finish up the Nina stuff, um, she... There's this, like Chris was saying, there's this one chapter, maybe two where we get a little more insight into Nina's relationship with her father, Xander. Um, And Nina is talking about how she really loves her dad, even though he literally invades her mind and has ruined her life by forcing her to do crimes and taking the fall for them and going to prison. (laughs) I'm just like, look, I know that it's common for people to feel allegiance to family just because family, uh, despite how horrible they are. But it would have been nice to have a character that doesn't fall into that cliche, first of all. And second of all, I just... It's further confusing because they play up this whole, like, oh, even though her dad's wronged her and she went to prison for him, like, she still loves him. And she talks about how much she loves her stepbrother, too. But then at the end, she doesn't even check on them after they kill a few bad guys. They're just like, oh, I guess time to leave town. Like, did you really... I don't understand why we spent that time... Building up or trying to build up Nina's love of her dad on fucking rickety popsicle sticks only to have them go up in flames <laughs> immediately. <laughs> like, I just. She just scares
1: the shit out of her stepbrother and <laughs> immediately leaves and never checks in on him again. She walks into his like the community center that he's playing yes. ping pong at and she's like listen we gotta go there's people that are gonna try to kill you david let's go <laughs> and he's like nina you're scaring me and he starts crying because he's like 11 and of course if your stepsister walked in and started saying people are coming after us when she is like she has like a history of violence too you'd probably be a little freaked
0: out and scared yeah she's a convict that your mother has told you to be scared of uh who has gone to jail for violent crimes <laughs> And so, yeah, she's like sweating in a mess. And the book even says like, oh, man, I really fucked this up. And I don't know. She just has to leave, I think, because the bad guys are coming. I for- kind of forget what happens.
1: It's the like the seven orders are going to start tracking them down through the seeker network of truth. Yeah. So, internet uh, So yeah. Something. So, again,
0: they just she never. Ch- <laughs> She finds out her dad was kidnapped by the, or taken in by, like, the FBI or whatever, and her brother, I don't know, she just never makes any effort to check in on them before they just ride off into the fucking sunset at the end.
1: It would have made more sense <sighs> if Nina just really hated her dad and didn't want to check in on him. Maybe she felt a pang of guilt when he gets into her brain and like, I've been kidnapped, please help. And she's like, ah, maybe... And, like, as far as David, she could have just tried to, you know, scare him off and then realized, oh, shit, I'm just a worse influence on his life. I should just leave him alone. But you don't even get that. You could have put that in there and had her be like, well, you know, it's probably best I don't go check in on David.
0: Yeah. And it's like, I know you don't
1: even get that.
0: I know this is a, you know, the start of a series, but you can still tie everything up from that one book at the end. And if people want to keep reading the story, they will. You don't have to leave things dangling as much um other i don't know i have other random points but if you wanted to get into the sex scene territory yeah, now is the time So yeah now is the time yes
1: because we're talking about the first uh, psychic girlfriend anyway um and you know nina and brawley get to it probably with it by the fourth chapter i think nina takes them away from the cat incident scene and she explains to him what the deal with psionic powers is at a diner, and then immediately takes him back to her place to fuck him. So of course there is the psychic sex stuff. But the psychic sex stuff, all that happens is that they, oh they connect so good, and when they get off at the same at the same time, of course, uh, there is some kind of unleashing of power. This is how Brawly unleashes his stra- unlocks his strand power. And it's so good because it's like they're connected and the energy is coursing through them and Nina has such a great orgasm that she is bonded to him forever. But before we even get into that mess, that's all the sex scenes are in terms of the use of the psionic powers. It's just that the psychic power is, oh, he's so good at sex, but we don't use any sort of sexy psionic techniques. I can just throw a couple off the cuff here, Paris, for you that Nina demonstrates that she can rub his dick a little bit with her telekinesis, yet at no point is there ever a psychic (laughs) handjob. Why would you not? Why would you not do that?
0: Yeah, I mean, and this. Why would you
1: not do that?
0: I I agree that they could have at least made it a little interesting and funny, but. Why would Brawly
1: not, like, lift her up with his mind into, like, the perfect height in the air to get, like, the right angle? I think he does, like, physically lift her up at some point to get a little bit of that happening. It's like, bro, just use your mind. Your hands would be free. This would be the first advantage I could think of (laughs) immediately.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. It is is really strange that they don't actually take advantage of that. Um, And the second problem with this whole idea is that they're sort of amazing sex takes no effort and is based on genetics because they are both of this weird magical um line of people uh you know they have those those alleles that came together or whatever um so it's just they don't have to work at anything they just automatically have the best sex ever and automatically fall in love and are devoted to one another. It's like, fucking crazy. There's Christ. no
1: foreplay. There's <laughs> no, no, no work foreplay. to be done nope. whatsoever. Not fo- No finding out what the other partner enjoys ever. Nope. There's, like No, nope, you know spot what they enjoy, Chris? Like? They
0: enjoy dick and hole. That's what they enjoy, and that is all <laughs> anyone yeah, enjoys. That's
1: the only that's thing the only that thing. is allowed that's at it. all.
0: That's it. The
1: only thing I could come up with, me, the creative person, the writer here, that's all I can write about <sighs> is... And then the wiener went in the hole, and then it went out, and then it went back in. <laughs> After that, the wiener left the hole, and then it came back.
0: Oh, and sometimes? But
1: then, Paris, the, but No, no, but the then, other
0: hole sometimes, the other one. Oh,
1: that's true. I'm sorry. I forgot. The other That's one. the twist, is mm-hmm. when he leaves that one, and then mm-hmm. he goes in the other one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Big, that's my
1: creativity as a writer, Paris. Big literary i never moves. considered to. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Woof! All right, yeah. So the sex scenes are obviously just ridiculous, and I don't know. I mean,
1: the, the last sex scene is just he glances off of her oh, pussy. Oh
0: yeah! Did you know <laughs> that just by having your your genitals glance each other, you will have mind blowing orgasms where you just come buckets like everywhere.
1: <laughs> that like the littlest hair trigger possible.
0: And I get, you know, he's trying to say, oh, they're already magically enhanced and, like, they're just so horny. The magic also makes them extra horny all the time. Like, I fucking, uh, I just cannot. I'm trying to think if we have anything else to say about that before we, because I don't want to have to come back to it.
1: Can you think of any other, like, psychic mind power sex scenes? Like, what other things could you do with psychic mind powers? Well, like, there, you was- made a
0: great point about having your hands free, or you could use your fucking mind hands, to, I don't know, grab a boob or a butt or something, I, I don't know, man. We're not
1: even talking about the other five orders of psychic powers that are described in this book, like, the techni- like there's, like, the tech psionic people and they can like go into computers and shit like why can't they like build the greatest vr sex thing in the world ever or like the most intricate sex toy that knows exactly what to do with you at the right time and then there's the healer people which i'm sure will come into play later on if Mm -hmm. you're into that whole idea i'm not going to get too far into that one but then i mean we also have the people that apparently part of psychic powers is also being able to change into animals so, I mean, like, furry paradise there, right? Oh, Legend yeah, there's more. definitely
0: going to be some furry shit lit in later books in the series, I'm sure. Um, I did find my list of other sex topics, so we can just get through that and spare sure. everyone for the rest of the episode. Um, you know, the the magical giant penis trope just needs to fucking die. So tired of seeing it in media. And, and by this, I mean, man has big pee-pee, woman falls in love with him, best sex ever. It's like, none of those things necessarily are caused by the other (laughs) i please (laughs) stop with please stop peddling this idea that giant penises are great and that you know you can just have vaginal orgasms with giant penises all the time it's like that's that's it's a minor it's not as common (laughs) and i also just don't like that that's kind of this ideal that you know people read these books and think oh yeah that's that's what i got to aim for like for both men and women it sucks it sucks for any person with genitals um and uh, there's also this whole like no one in this book really ever questions you know group sex or sex outside a relationship it's just all because of the whole magic thing it's just like oh yeah whatever i trust you this is great and i, I don't know i just real people would at least Think about it, <laughs> like I'm, I know, and it's fine if if that's what you're into. But it's not something you just do without hesitation when you've never done it before. Like that just seems, especially weird. with the person
1: that you met within the last 24 hours.
0: Yeah, it just seems. I, I don't know, and maybe maybe I'm overthinking it, but to me, it just gave me pause when I was reading it. I was like, this isn't how people would act in general. I mean,
1: that's the fantasy here, right? Is that there's I don't have to do any work to have this amazing mm. sex. And I don't have to have any serious discussions. Everything just works all the time out in my favor. I don't have to worry about asking not even tough questions, just like basic stuff. Like, how do you like it? Is this okay with you? What else should we oh, try? Oh,
0: I have my last point of thinking about questions. This is another book where there's no discussion of like condom use, safe sex, contraception. Like, these ladies going to get pregnant? Oh, wait, I'm sure the magic protects them from that, too. Um. Yeah, I don't know. You got magical STIs. Like, is, that, is this a thing we need to worry about? It's just, it's never mentioned, not thought about. <sighs> yeah. So. Well, sex
1: is clearly interlinked with the, how you become psychically awake in the first place, because that's apparently how you awaken the strand anyway. Yeah. So sex definitely has an effect in that, I don't know, mind aether field that they operate in or mm-hmm. what have you. So there should probably be some kind of psychic sex STI out there that you probably want to be careful about.
0: Yeah and you also would think that because you know if if this magic is linked to sex that they would be yeah that they would have more of an I don't know an education about it like it would be less of a <laughs> I less of a shit show I don't know anyway alright whatever sex in this book sucks although I will say at first Chris and I were very scared that we were going to have to live through seven sex scenes and Chris did the math we thought we were going to have to read one sex scene every, what, 36 pages or something?
1: Something like that if it was going to unlock the seven strands in this book. But clearly, I'm sorry, you can't sell more books if you unlock all the strands right away.
0: Yeah, so luckily we only had to live through like two and a half sex scenes. So better than we thought. Yay. All right. Moving right along here. Um, Do we want to go into the whole dominance dude stuff or do we want to hit some random points before we go into that
1: i feel like the we should do the dominance okay. stuff while we're here next to the sex stuff because that's i mean yeah. such a crucial part of yeah. those sex scenes
0: so there's also like you know of course this book is just riddled with your hetero cis normative ideas about men women blah 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 for example you know the, like Chris already said, the Victoria's Secret model is the apex of all straight cis beauty. Nina drinks girly drinks and Brawley only drinks bud. Women prize their shoes as much as a mother bear prizes her cubs. Uh, Brawley also believes that most hot women live primarily on junk food. And there is a weird paragraph where he says it is curious that women can be both hungry and eat food. I just I, I don't know if
1: She eats a can of spaghettios really quickly because she's hungry. And Brawley is mystified, I guess, because women not supposed to eat
0: fast, I think. Or eat a lot, because I think she asked to have some, and then she finished it off, and he was, like, curious. Like, I don't know. It's not curious. She was fucking <laughs> Strange hungry. Strange behavior. She fucking she wants some food. Open another can I mean, of well, SpaghettiOs. Jesus.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not
0: hard. Wow.
1: Such a manly provider you are, Brawl. You got the SpaghettiOs out for her. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah. Don't bust
1: out the fine find Silverware. <laughs> well, sp-
0: speaking of manly provider... You know, so you have all these kind of shitty everyday tropes about masculinity and gender performance and stuff. And then Brawley just straight up is like, you don't have to work anymore, Nina. You can just quit your job because I won two and a half million dollars riding bulls. And I just, I just, why? Again, they've, this whole book takes place in about 20, or if maybe 30 out 36 hours, the most of it is in 24 hours. And then there's like a little bit over that. And I know, I know that this book has this built in component where the magic, the sex and magic combine to make people devoted to each other and blah, blah, blah. But it's just this overpowering stench of cis heteronormative masculinity. And I just, I don't know, man, I already live in a world that smells like that and I'm just tired of smelling it. (laughs) So get it out of my books. I'm done fucking annoying
1: i mean part of the fantasy here is i don't have to do any work as Mm -hmm. a as a person and as a man it's just my sheer dominant energy that gets me what i want i don't have to do anything for it he doesn't even have a job he's just like i already have the money and therefore you can live with me and you don't have to do the work to build a relationship because your psychic magic power a i.e your pure overriding masculine energy is so powerful that people will instantly fall in love with you and you will never have to worry about them leaving you ever, period, because of that.
0: So you don't have to worry about doing work later on either. <laughs> no. Wow. Like, it's all taken care of. And, <clears throat> you know, Brawley, he's he's kind of set up as like a the nice guy at the beginning. Nice guy, but still tough. And as the book progresses and as he sort of gains more and more of these dominant feelings as he... You know, acquires two wives, two sive wives, as uh, Sage explains. Sives, me, uh, sives. <laughs> These are my uh. sister sives. <laughs> yes, sister sives. Um, he starts to become more and more of an asshole. Um, and the women, of course, find it entrancing because of the magic. They're like, "Yes, I want to be dominated. I want to serve you because of the magic. It's so great." Um, and he he has a few moments towards the end where you can see him being more of a jerk. He's talking to Sage, his second Psy wife, and she's telling him like, "Oh yeah, you know, you know, you got it. You're going to end up having to take a wife for each of the strands, you know, for each of the orders or whatever." And She said something like, or maybe Nina said something like, oh, I hope we all get along or something. And he's like, I'll be choosing my own wives, not you. It's like, what the fuck? They have to also be partnered with them? That's terrible. (laughs) So not only, like the book has written off any agency from the women at all, at all points, like they just get no say. And that's that's the fantasy, right? A woman who just shuts the fuck up and does what you want and is essentially a sex slave with a bunch of other benefits. And
1: it gives the the only bit of agency at all is that they wanted to fuck him in the first place before the psychotic magic part happened.
0: That's true, but they did well, Nina didn't know that Nina and Brawly both didn't know they were gonna get bonded for life forever. When they had sex. And then... I'm I'm just
1: saying that's like... This is the littlest, tiniest bit. And I'm only saying this because we're midway through the next book. (laughs) And I'll just leave it there that I have this point of comparison.
0: Yeah, that's true. In fact, the only person who really knows that she's likely going to get bound to Brawley is Sage... When she says, you know, fuck me for science or whatever, because I'm a super nerd and I have to actually see if this prophecy is being fulfilled in the way I think it is. And of course, the prophecy is him because we're, hey, we're on a hero's journey again. Duh. Um, And so he fucks her for science and then they all become they all are in love with each other or whatever. And. uh, Yeah, so it's kind of fucked up because no one really except for Sage, the other two don't really consent to being bonded for life. With the other two. So it's uh, not cool um, in that sense. Because, like, what if you get bonded to someone who fucking sucks? Like, I, I I don't know. That just seems like a bad time.
1: There was a sort of hint at the fact that there's no power mages anymore because they were culled by the orders of psionic powers or whatever they're supposed to be. So I'm guessing that most of the power mages were shitty and bad and that they did abuse this power. And that's why they got fucking culled. And Brawley doesn't seem like he's breaking the molds too much here.
0: Yeah, I'm already I've already got my culling cloak out. I'm already ready <laughs> for the culling too. Uh this shit, yeah, these people need to go. Um, I don't know. This book there was just a lot of this book. Like, do you know? I don't know if any of you have been on the internet recently. Um <clears throat> Oh. There's uh
1: <laughs> Well, it was down the other day completely because Facebook and Instagram were <laughs> off, so there was no point in going on.
0: Oh no, Twitter was still up, Discord was still up. The that's rest true. of the internet, Reddit, <laughs> <laughs> everything was still there. Um there there is this kind of running joke like are the straights okay? I think there's like a Facebook meme group and stuff like that. And that's how this entire book sort of <laughs> felt to yes. me. Are the straights okay? As the
1: straights, dude, I gotta say that this is a compelling example of that. I don't think we're okay.
0: Yeah, like, all right. Sorry that we gotta talk about the cis straights for a few, because unfortunately, ideas surrounding we, we people uh, are the dominant concepts in our culture, and they affect us all pretty negatively, honestly. There's just these huge undertones, I guess overtones. They're not undertones, (laughs) they're overtones. (laughs) Um, ringing of,
1: at the strongest uh, harmonic in my ear yes. at all times.
0: <laughs> There's these huge overtones of Brawley's a nice guy who is polite to women, loves his grandma, and saves cats. Therefore, he deserves a mindless harem of hot sister wives and godlike powers. <laughs> it really feels like it's making a causal <laughs> causal yeah. connection there. And it, of course, yes, it is good to be nice to people and save cats and love your grandma, But that does not mean that those generally pleasant aspects of your personality are a currency for guaranteed sex and power. (laughs) Like men in general seem to be confused by the idea that most women want to be treated well. So they seem to think, aha, yes, I will do the nice things and then women will like me. When in reality, women are just looking to genuinely be treated well and have overall compatibility beyond just man. Nice. And I like I know plenty. Paris, note who-
1: I have this card here. Um, <laughs> I held the door open for you twenty times in the last month, and therefore I am owed things.
0: It gets you one psychic can job. <laughs> 20, 20 door holds in Key West, Florida. Um, I'm not even gonna be
1: in the same room. I'm gonna be in the other room completely. I'll just kind of do it without thinking. <laughs> oh, can you do a psychic can job from the other room?
0: I don't know. It's Key West. Anything's <laughs> possible, Chris. Um, That's
1: true. Yeah. What a magical place.
0: Any- anyway, I-, I guess I'm just the point I'm getting across here is like, for example, I know plenty of people in my life who are kind to me. It does not make me want to be with them in a sexual or romantic way because there are so many other factors to attraction and compatibility. Like I just... also being nice is just the
1: baseline for being a functioning human being in society. Yeah. That isn't a Complete asshole to be around. That is the baseline. It's not elevating you beyond the crowd of just why society is still working and we're not just constantly at each other's throats all the time. I think, I mean, you're very right that a lot of dudes seem to have this idea of like, oh, if I'm just nice, then you should like me, especially if I like you. I feel this feeling so much. Why do I don't understand why you don't feel that way at all? And the answer is, is because, as you said, Paris, there's a lot more that goes into attraction than that and often you have to have more to offer than just i am nice and polite and i'm not screaming at you from the (laughs) get-go because the attractive part of a person is their uniqueness that particular thing that makes them themselves and if you think just being nice is your defining character trait well there's billions of other people with that character trait you need to have some kind of drive to do something beyond being nice or just something outside of chasing pussy all the time. If that's like your main driving thing, people can smell that from a mile away. And if that's all you fucking care about, you're not very interesting. Yeah. So hopefully you're doing something else with your time and with your life that makes you interesting to talk to. Because if you spend all of your time thinking about this male sex currency kind of stuff, which it seems there's a lot of guys out there that do, Mm -hmm. you're not going to have any time to develop yourself and have an interesting personality that's going to make anyone want to talk to you because if if your whole being is just saying like, well, okay, so I opened, I held 20 doors today, so I should get that psychic hand job. But then that other girl, I picked up her textbooks for her and I did her class notes for her. So I think if I do that and get her a sandwich and some roses one day, she has to go to the movies with me. And then if I pay for that, then obviously I should get laid from that, right? Because I'm such a nice guy.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot more complicated and you can't really reduce human romantic and sexual experience to a fucked up formula that you cobbled together based on some reddit posts. Like it's just I <laughs> uh I think that's that's all I have to say on that. But yeah, yeah it's just that's much
1: more eloquently said than my rant just there.
0: No, no, no. It, it's fine. You know, we both have similar perspectives on it. It's always good to say things in different ways, you know, get through to different people that way. Or, you know, anger a whole different group of people as we often do. <laughs> so, anyway, this whole the whole overtone and flavor of this book is really tired, especially for us when we've read things that are in a similar vein, but I would actually say are better, like Hunted and MHI. Um, this, so I didn't do a ton of reading, but just a basic uh, a basic kind of googling on this this harem genre that's apparently quite popular. Um, I think a lot of people trace it to Japanese stuff from the hmm i want to say it was 90s it might have been might have been earlier than that might have been the 70s but...
1: no 90s for sure because i remember um i watched a certain harem anime in mm. the late 90s in the early 2000s it was called Tenshi muyo if you all know that shit um don't make fun of me for it i'm sorry
0: <laughs> <laughs> we were all children once we all at least made it wasn't our...
1: love hina love hina was boring and stupid
0: oh wow chris you're more steeped in this than i realized oh chris is a recovering a recovering haramer. Um
1: I was a twelve-year-old boy in the yeah, '90s with access to the internet. Anime <laughs> happened to me, Paris. You can't <laughs> stop that.
0: It's okay, it comes for us all. Um, <laughs> actually, and and I would actually, uh, I would actually push back against that origin and say that the, the a lot of the ideas that co- that are associated with this modern harem stuff actually come from orientalist fetishism which has its roots in drumroll please colonialism yay there it is again uh yeah there it is again so i think that there's actually a longer tradition of this sort of fetish fetishization of the idea of a harem you know from from an exotic part of the world and having all these women devoted to you and whatever it was it was a point of fascination um among white western folks in the, I don't know, like 200 years ago or so. So anyway, there's an unfortunate long history here, I think. <sighs> Anyhow, we can talk about a few other things that were weird about this book that are, you know, even if you disagree with us and all, even if you're really horny for like having seven sister wives or whatever, I still think that there are other things in this book, some of which we've already pointed out, um, that make it not great. So we have this whole real basic-ass hero's journey shit again that makes this book just another layer of tired, you know? Um, We have a prophecy that, of course, the straight white guy fulfills because he is the chosen, magical, all-powerful dude. His hot female companions who fall in love with him immediately for no reason other than magic. Nothing bad ever happens to anyone in the main party. You know, you have a lot of deus ex machina saving people. For example, you know, Brawley is a... in a gunfight, and he's like, uh-oh, I can't leave these bullets everywhere, because I think he had, like, hollow points in his gun. He was like, fuck, if they, you know, if they find these, they're gonna know it's me, or something. And so, he just goes, oh, I know, and he uses his mind powers to just vacuum up all the bullets and run away. <laughs> I mean.
1: How do you specify, I only want to pick up the bullet casings, and not just any sort of lint, or dust, or small items in the area?
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's like you, you would use your hands. Like, you have control over your hands, Chris. I presume that their psychic sci- psychic powers would work similarly. Prehens- Prehensile mind at, tails. Like, do I don't you know. have to
1: be looking at each individual bullet to suck them up? Like, to see it? Or can you just, like... Say, all bullets behind me that I yeah. can't physically see come to me now. Get
0: thee behind me bullets. I don't know. Like, I have no idea.
1: <laughs> I, th- I just want to know if it's a line of sight attack or if it's an area of effect attack. Paris. Oh, like, yeah. Hey, I, just... I
0: think based on this, it's an area of effect based on what the book uh, actually okay. had in it. Listen, if I'm um, implementing this into my <laughs> Power Mage
1: D&D campaign.
0: Um, you know, then there's like the the... Uh, the sort of, like, paranormal FBI or whatever, the FPI, they end up covering up Nina's involvement in the shootout where all the gangsters are murdered because they actually want to capture her and her dad. So they sort of want to keep her out of the the normie's eyes. So they, they cover up her involvement so she's able to, like, get away and, like, fulfill the rest of the plan she had with Brawley. And that's another just, I don't know, it, like, the FPI doesn't even end up getting her, I mean, I guess they get her dad, but just didn't. And the way they do it is also ridiculous. They have powers too. And they, the way that they cover it up is just absurd. They basically just tell people, they, they kind of like mind wipe people sort of men in black style where they just tell them like, no, you did not see us put heroin in the van and they go, no, we did not see you put heroin in the van. And you know, that's kind of it. It's not very creative or clever. And the the last part of this that's (laughs) that really got me about the magic system and sort of this hero's journey thing. So they so Brawley not only is able to access new powers if he fucks a woman who has that specialty, right? Every time he has sex with a new psy wife, both he and the wife get get a power boost. And so that was already already was making me go like, well, if that's the case, are people just having orgies all the time? Like are all these magic people just fucking constantly because they need to keep boosting their power levels?
1: I think it's only when you open a strand from someone else, but then you'd be just hunting down the virgins as much as you can and be like I'm the ultimate virgin yeah. fucker and therefore I have the highest power level.
0: Right. And then almost at the very end of the book, you discover through dialogue with, uh, I think, the villain, Junior Dutchman or whatever, or someone like that. You discover that people also get power boosts when they murder other magical people. And you're just like, wait, wait. <laughs> Wouldn't this create an insane power vacuum like, and a war? <laughs> because, yeah. Like, Have
1: I- you never heard of Highlander?
0: <laughs> oh, I guess so. Uh, so if That's we-
1: the whole plot of Highlander.
0: Yeah, I just, I just really because think logically,
1: that- if murdering people increases your power, even Jet Li's the one that was also part of that as well. Like, if there, if you could become more powerful by sucking the power of other other people, someone's gonna start doing that a bunch. But there's no mention of that anywhere whatsoever, even in the Psy Mafia Crime Club. That would probably be killing a lot of people anyway.
0: Yeah, and they do mention that there's the order, which is supposed to be some kind of governing and sanctioning body, but they never show up and do anything. And there's no talk of them actually. I, I don't really know what they, what their deal is, what the FPI's deal is. Like, I, I just feel like in this environment with this magic system, you would end up with endless murder orgies, and everything would just collapse. Like Key West would just float off into the ocean. I, I mean, I just, I, I don't. I don't know.
1: There does seem to be a high concentration of them in Key West specifically.
0: It needs to be reworked. Is my point. The mat just need a, l- a little more thinking on that that magic system. Or at any least- more
1: thinking, just <laughs> any more just- would be fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. And speaking of the magic system, there's this one point that I just couldn't get out of my mind, and that is that um, the agent from the FBI, Jamal. Remember, I said that there was that one one or two chapters that were really it was really well written, and I really liked it. Or not really. It was. Decent, and I liked it. I wanted to read more about Jamal. In that, in that chapter, Jamal reveals that he can use his mind control powers on his own partner, which, like, it's kind of a real work hazard of <laughs> conflict of interest. <laughs> like, if your magical partner can use their mind control powers on you to hide things from you about cases and lie to you and trick you... I don't really or know or make you do stuff. Yeah, which he does. He kind of um he hides like hey, you
1: want to go get some fast food in a minute? And the guys like I would like to go get some fast food in a minute.
0: He's like, "Oh, I'll pay, pay. it's on me." Like, I mean, it's Yeah, I just don't know how you could yeah, have, have a just functional work at workplace his, like, like the... checking
1: account at the end of
0: the month going, "Why did I buy so many fucking burgers?" God <laughs> damn it, Jamal, you did it again. <laughs> It was tacos. But here's the thing is, I don't think they could even really figure it out if they wanted to because they get mind wiped. So, you know, because they use the power of you suggestion. You look at
1: how many charges that this dude has at the taco place and you would figure it out eventually then. <laughs> you don't really want that many tacos.
0: I don't know, man. I really want that many tacos. I don't even know what the number is and I know I want I'm that many so like tacos. In the,
1: <laughs> I'm imagining in that other book that you wanted to read, this is like the big dramatic reveal when the partner figures out what's been happening. <laughs> Like, he finally, like, he's just scrolling through his, like, transactions one day. He's like, this is like, we I went to the taco place twice a day last month? Why would I? <sighs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and he figures out that his partner is, like, in on all these crimes because he's just using his mind powers willy-nilly.
0: Dude, that would be a way better book. I would much rather read about Jamal fucking his partner over and his partner finding out and trying to figure out a way to, like take revenge or reform Jamal, be like, come on, man, you can't keep doing this to people. You're fucking up the department. You're only three months from retirement. You're going to get fired and lose your pension, Jamal. Like, all for tacos. And Jamal's going to be like, look, man, those tacos are really good. Anyway, I would just, you know, again, just like a little more thinking there on the ramifications of what you've put in your book with the current magic system that you have.
1: (laughs) How about a little sort of, Trailing off of this, it's not the magic system, but the word for the normies. You said normies before, and you avoided the word that this book uses <laughs> yes, for non psionic people, incredibly which balanced. is fuggles, as in fucking muggles. Because, yeah, we're just gonna lift that straight from Harry Potter. I understand, yes, Harry Potter probably exists in this universe, and so the psionic people just stole the word and used it for themselves. But you're the writer, you could come up with something that's a bit more creative or at least psionically themed. In a yeah. way, yeah. I've got a couple for you just off the cuff here, man. Just like the psychic hand jobs and stuff here. You could use stuff like, I don't know, dull brains or the, the strandless. Dude, because strandless access-
0: is perfect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or how about boneheads because they're like thick and like they don't have a lot of like brain meat in there. Like off the t- top of my fucking skull here and I'm coming up with better uses for this universe than this guy did after he'd been writing it for some period of time. Yeah, I just I
0: really don't like the idea that you just pull something from pop culture and change a letter and and feel like that's a that's cool. Job done. Like, okay. A strandless I think is brilliant. That that would have made so much more sense, um, and not have been just a lazy (laughs) a lazy choice. Um
1: but you have to have some kind of like funny sounding derogatory term for them. And strandless sounds a little bit too official, so that might not have worked. Like maybe the, uh, I don't know, like that's why I think boneheads or dull brains or something like that would have worked better in that <sighs> respect.
0: Whatever. Um, there are some other, oh, actually, speaking of sort of weird like consequences of the magic system that need to be uh, rethought, Chris, you actually made a note about this that made me laugh really hard. There is, um, there's a part of the book where Brawley talks about how every electronic thing he touches dies, doesn't work, etc. And this this has something to do with his his psionic powers. Um, but then, Chris, tell Tell us why this is a problem, <laughs> other than the fact that he doesn't have a cell phone or a computer or anything. But
1: he drives an RV around everywhere. There's electronics in the RV. Yeah, there's a lot that of that. Handles a lot of the functions of the RV. He talks about using the microwave for the spaghettios.
0: No, the spaghettios he eats cold.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. That's a specific. But there's definitely point. a microwave in there.
0: Yeah, I, I just, yeah. How can you drive an RV if everything electronic you touch falls apart, dies, doesn't work? I just, it does not, doesn't make, doesn't make sense. Got to think about that.
1: Also, if he's going to unlock all seven strands, and one of them is tech psionic proficiency. Yeah. Is that just supposed to be, like, his latent tech psionic power spilling out or something? There seems like there's going to be some kind of conflict there later on. If this man, who has never used a smartphone or a computer in his life, I suppose, is mm-hmm. supposed to make use of this tech strand, he's not going to know how to fucking turn on his iPhone. <laughs> How's he gonna use this second? Like,
0: oh yeah, I guess I guess we didn't really go over all the strands because, frankly, I didn't remember them at all. So they don't matter. We don't matter. fucking have to. It doesn't they matter. It not matter. But there is a tech-related one that comes up once in the book. Um, I don't know. There's and then there's there's these like lines of dialogue, and of course, oh, you know what we need to do? We need to talk about the tip fucking and eating a glass of beer. That, bottle scene. I want
1: to close our our chat about this book with this. I feel like you know, okay. Austin's been waiting for this, and I think this should be the final point.
0: Okay. Well. All
1: right, go go for it, go for it. Austin asked us to explain to him this scene. And I expect that means, why is this scene even in here? When the character that does it, Remy, just rides off into the night after having done the Corona titfuck slash glass eat scene and is never seen again.
0: Should I read so it? If you...
1: Sure. We might as well, if Austin pointed it out specifically, we might as well grace everyone else with <sighs> this.
0: I also find that it's kind of confusingly written. Um, all right, so here, let's keep this in mind. We are in a bar that is full in Key West, Florida. You know, this isn't a private moment. This is a public moment. Her A-plus rack strained against the thin <laughs> fabric of her tight black tank top and her impressive muscles rippled bringing to life the countless tattoos covering her body. There was something feral about her bright white teeth, dark irises, and the powerful grace with which she moved, and yet her face was strikingly beautiful in the classic sense, the type of beauty you see only once or twice in your life. She was a study in contracts, a bad girl with breeding, like a top model with royal blood who had given it all up to win a world title in an MMA while shooting gonzo porn in her free time. Remy sat down, putting an arm around Nina's shoulders and pushing halfway onto her stool. (laughs) That wasn't a trick, she said, grinning at Brawley. This is a trick. Remy slid the bottle of Corona down the front of her shirt and pulled her hands away. Her full round breasts trapped the bottle between them. Brawley couldn't help but stare as drops of condensation rolled off the bottle and trickled down Remy's firm boobs like beads of sweat. (laughs) Incredible, aren't they? Remy said, and gave her tits a squeeze. But they're not my trick. This is. Nina groaned. Brawly slipped a comforting arm around her tiny waist, but couldn't look away as Remy squeezed her boobs, flexing and relaxing, flexing and relaxing. Each repetition worked the bottle up and up until its tip reached her bright red lips, which slid over the bottle and sucked. Lowering her head, Remy deep-throated the long neck, then she tilted her head back, and the bottle popped free of her mesmerizing breasts. The bottle sunk deeper until only a few inches jutted from her mouth. The rest bulged in her pretty throat. Her li-
1: <laughs> Wait, like, Chris's the face. part of the bottle that was bigger than, like, the neck went
0: down, uh-huh. Yeah. too? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Her lips gripped the bottle's girth as she swallowed, greedily chugging beer foam drained from the corners of her mouth and ran down her throat and over her breast, wetting the tight black fabric still eyeing Brawley seductively Remy gulped down the beer then she pulled the bottle from her mouth wiped one muscular heavily inked forearm across her wet sexy mouth burped and threw back her head with rich laughter wow Brawley said that was quite a show
1: <laughs> I'm not done yet
0: handsome Remy said don't Remy, Nina said seriously Remy shoved the bottle back into her mouth and, crunch, bit the long neck clean off, then she started chewing. Brawley couldn't believe his eyes. He'd seen a guy once in a honky-tonk chew a piece of glass about the size of your thumbnail, but Remy had bitten off the entire long neck, and he could hear the shards snapping as her jaws worked. What the hell are you doing, girl? Remy laughed again, and Brawley glimpsed a mouthful of glass and blood. He grabbed Remy's arm. It was smooth and hard with muscle, like a python. Spit that shit out, he said. You're cutting yourself. Remy pulled her arm free, then took Nina's drink, flicked the umbrella over one shoulder, and threw back the sweet but strong concoction. She swished the liquid for a few seconds and gulped it down. Brawley winced. That is not good for you. Remy laughed and stuck out her tongue. Brawley was no stranger to trauma, but he winced at the sight. Remy's tongue was all cut to hell and bleeding like crazy. Only, then it... wasn't. Remy was watching him intently. Watching him, watching her. And he couldn't stop staring. At her tongue, specifically. Because as he watched, the bleeding slowed and stopped. The terrible gashes shrunk and closed. "'You want to kiss it and make it better, lover boy?' Remy asked. Brawley stared for a moment, second-guessing his eyes. "'It's... it's already better.' Remy swept his beer off the bar and chugged the rest. "'You want to kiss it anyway?' Yeah. All right. So the whole point of that was to show you Remy's regenerative properties because she is of the carnal strand. They are basically Wolverines. They can regenerate. Um, but it was just such a you mean, ridiculous. You mean Wolverine, way. the
1: superhero, not literal Wolverines in real life, no. which cannot regenerate. <laughs> as far. There's only one Wolverine. You said Wolverines as if it was the animals and not. I
0: don't know the superhero? superheroes. Just There's to to a bunch of them. <laughs>
1: I just want to be woman. clear, normal <laughs> wolverines out there in the world, they will not regenerate if something bad yeah. happens to them.
0: I don't know, wolverines are tough as fucking hell. They might regenerate. They're tough, but you like... <laughs> wolverines. Sorry, I turned into your like 60-year-old mom and was like, I don't know, the wolverines, yeah. you know? But uh, yeah, so that that's just a taste of the the flavor we're experiencing here. A nice here.
1: glassy, bloody taste of this scene, And I guess... An explanation was requested here, and as you said, yes, it's to reveal the carnal uh, folks out there that can heal themselves, but also, at the end of the book, Brawley gives this hint of, like, I know who my next one's gonna be, and you know for sure it's Remy, because she, much like Nina is the big titty goth GF personification, and Sage is the... Nerd girl who is dirty on the inside personification. Mm-hmm. Remy is the don't stick your dick in crazy stereotype personification. That's oh. all that is. Is like like the, the sort of that stereotype of like, oh, the sex will be really good, but she's because she's so out there, that's what she is. And that's what this is the setup for. If you want the baseline explanation of why this scene was in there, that's the reason. As for if it was a good idea, I have no explanation for you because... <laughs> I have a lot of questions that arise from even if you swallow the glass and you're healing, does that mean you constantly have to be expending the psychic energy as it travels through your gut? It mentions that there's only so much psychic energy that you can use in a certain period before you need rest. So while you're resting and the glass is in there, is that just doing all the cuts? Without you being able to heal it on the way?
0: The carnals aren't psychic powers. They're the other type of power. I forget. There's like they split sure. them
1: into. but there must be a limited resource right like you can't just keep it go i get you know they don't explain it but i don't know it just seems like a lot of extra work when you could have i don't know spit the glass out too, save yourself a lot of work
0: well still would have
1: impressed him right
0: yeah um i mean i think there's also a third reason that this scene is in there just for titillation because we get a scene that's literally focused on breasts and sucking a beer, like, you know, presumably a penis, right? That's that's what we're getting here. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: oh, presumably parasite, I think.
0: Presumably. I think that's what they were getting at. Pretty sure, based on context clues. <laughs> okay. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, yeah, Austin, I, I, don't, I don't know that it was a great idea. I mean, at least it had a reasoning beyond simply titillation, but it's still not great. You could have introduced the carnals in any way she could have cut her wrists open. She could have cut her hand off. And that, yeah, you know, it didn't have to be this weird breast and dick sucking beer bottle thing. (laughs) Like it's obviously, you know, there's to me, it's,
1: it's why the whole, like all, almost all of the bottle. There was only a
0: couple of inches outside of her mouth. Yes. Because you have to unhinge your jaw for that. You know, Chris, it's again, it's, Living into those, living into those male fantasies. That's where we are still. I don't think.
1: I don't. I'm not gonna get aroused by someone who can unhinge their jaw that much.
0: Well, you know, some people want to be consumed, Chris. That's, that's all I gotta say. I, that's all I can assume. That's all I can assume here.
1: You know what? You're right.
0: <sighs> um, there's some other just like questionable di- pieces of dialogue that just are bad bad choices. Um, we, we, well, we already read about her A plus rack, which is, who yeah. fucking says that? Um,
1: what a lame descriptor, man.
0: Brawley has one of his personality traits beyond nice guy who saves cats and loves grandma and who is also attractive stock man. Um, he has this trait of not letting pain show and not complaining. And he says that He got really great advice from his grandma, which was never complain, never explain, which sounds like terrible advice. (laughs) Um, I I don't know. Sorry, grandma. That's bad advice. If you never complain and never explain then you only leave people to guess what your intentions, thoughts, needs, and desires are, which sounds like a bad time as a human in the world.
1: Hey, <laughs> so. why are you so upset? No, I can't complain or explain. I cool. simply must sit here and be mad and yeah. not tell anyone why.
0: And then he he he's, he's talks about this a few times. And one of the lines related to this that really got me was... Uh, Brawley had never understood why injured people complained or made faces. It didn't help a thing.
1: They're not doing it because they think it's going to help, man. It, it feel bad and your body, just, your muscles just do things sometimes.
0: Yeah. He's so cool. He doesn't cry or wince or care about pain. That's how cool Brawley is. That's how cool you want to be, reader of this book. You want to have no outward emotions. You want to never explain yourself. Or complain or talk about how you feel. <laughs> there you go. Or even
1: tell anyone what you like while you're having sex, which is the central point of this book.
0: No. Everything is magical and I have to do no work. And that is, that is why. Um, there's also a line in the book. Sometimes we have to act like monsters to save the people we love. I don't know. Do we, Mr. No, Jinx? I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think we do. I don't think we do. I don't think that's necessary. <laughs> no. This that's... is
1: in, rela- um, in reference to when Nina comes in and makes David cry and fart and shit his pants and run away. Yeah, I... She didn't have to do that. Nope. Ah. <laughs> uh... How about we talk about the most baffling line in the entire book, Paris? Wait, what's the
0: most baffling line? Did I miss this?
1: Like a woman trying to read (laughs) Sanskrit. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about that. So the context, I believe, is Nina is trying to read something. Right? That's the context.
0: Yes, Nina's just trying to read. So I forget what it what it was. Actually, I guess I could just look it up if we really wanted some context. Ah, Nina is looking at fancy ping pong paddles for her brother David. Uh, glancing at the prices, Nina winced. The nice ones started at 40 bucks. Nina stood there, biting her lip, studying the speed, spin, and control ratings like a woman trying to read Sanskrit. So I understand that the author is trying to say that the um, kind of the the schematics for ping pong paddle are as difficult to interpret as a foreign language. But like a woman trying to read Sanskrit just sounds like you're saying Sanskrit is only a language for men. (laughs) or non-women and i know that that's not what he was intending but the structure of the clause makes it feel that way so i mean it would have might it might have just made more sense to say like someone like an like an American trying to, re- or I don't know, it doesn't necessarily mean that if you're American. It could just even be someone.
1: It. it doesn't have to be descriptive. It's just like it, like someone trying to read Sanskrit. The The addition of the woman, I understand he's using that because she is a woman in that moment trying to read something complicated and that is what that like a woman is in reference to. Yeah. But that is after you have started your clause about the simile or the metaphor here. I forget which one this is.
0: It's a simile because it uses like or as. Um. So the thing, the thing though is like, The real comparison he's trying to make here is that it's as difficult as a non-Sanskrit speaker trying to understand Sanskrit. And it just doesn't really come across well in the the construction. I just don't think that that works.
1: Yeah, you could come at it a couple different ways, like someone trying to read Sanskrit, like a, a researcher trying to... Uh, translate Sanskrit I mean well, no, because that
0: because that, that also just just puts you in the position of assuming that any person is an English speaker and doesn't read Sanskrit like there needs to be a little more work put in <laughs> for the the comparison to really really flow. I think it it doesn't flow yes. quite well, which is the problem um okay, yeah, uh, oh yeah, why does the author or the main character think that beer is hydrating? It's a strange thing that happens a couple times in the book where Brawley is so thirsty, and he's like, "Oh, I'm so thirsty! Oh, a beer! Drinks a beer, and then drinks another beer. In some cases, he drinks an entire six, six pack, and he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm not thirsty anymore. Great, really quenched my thirst." And I'm like, "Beer dehydrates you. I don't know how to tell you this, man, but like, if you're thirsty, you gotta drink some fucking water." I don't understand why, and it's not like, "Oh, I'm." I'm craving a beer. Like, no, he is thirsty, looking for something to quench his thirst, which is for (laughs) water, (laughs) Brawly. It's water. Water.
1: But water is a boring drink with no flavor.
0: Yeah, men don't drink water. (laughs) Men only drink water when it's it's stewed with hops and bottled. (laughs) (sighs) Anyhow i'm done with this chris can we can we fix this chris can we fix this
1: all right um we're gonna have to i'm gonna put my contractor voice on here like <laughs> so we're we're gonna have to rip out the whole magic system here i mean what you've got here is basically um a, your whole thing needs to come out
0: you got some you got some masculinity mold in here just mucking it all up we're gonna have to rip out the whole plot wall
1: You've got a fundamental problem when you let that whole, you can get more powerful by killing other psionics part through without vetting it first. You really should have paid attention to that. It's going to bring the whole thing crashing down the second anyone starts to think more about it. And asking yourself why the Psymopsers wouldn't constantly be murdering other psionics for more power. Also, having a needless division between internal and external powers, like the whole psionic versus magic, which is what the carnals were kind Mm -hmm. of thing. It just seems a little redundant when you could it, it just make it all mind powers because in the end we're all just thinking really hard to do the thing, right? Like even Remy must have had to like flex a brain muscle or something mm. to just start healing.
0: I don't think so, but yeah, I I agree with you that the the division is needless. I don't think
1: yeah. I mean, having divisions of what kind of power being a certain different strand that's basic magic school. You know, the different houses or schools of magic. That's pretty basic stuff. That's fine. Um, but I'm going to recommend going back to the whole drawing board on the thing and just really thinking through the consequences of a decision you make before committing to it. Just spend, I don't know, a day or two going like, okay, if this was the case, what would logically follow after that? And seeing if you could spin something out of that instead of having to just try to constantly untangle knots that you've created for yourself because they don't fit your male power fantasy.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, for me, honestly, my notes were pretty, I have kind of similar recommendations to, uh, when we read hunted, I think it was hunted, not haunted, hunted. Yeah. Um, honestly, except I think hunted was actually better if we are ranking these things, since at least there wasn't any graphic sex and women did have agency in that book. Um, weirdly though, these books suffer from the same exact problems. Nothing is exciting here because the main character in his posse is essentially free of consequences. and can't die or be hurt. So therefore, you can't really identify with any of the main characters. Once again, we're on another hero's journey about a magical white guy. And that's just boring for me, especially when it has this extra layer of magical penis sister wives, which is like so far from not my jam that it's just inedible mud. Please, please write more believable characters, especially women who are not just sexual fetishes with a few lines of dialogue. The magic system was also pretty lazy, and I'm not sure it totally made sense. Like, when we talked about, you know, how, oh, he can't handle electronics, but he's driving a fucking RV, which is full of electronics, having, oh, and having, like, a work partner who can manipulate your thoughts. Um, If everyone can gain more power by fucking and murder, I feel like it would accelerate to a fevered open war where there would be intense regulations on sex and murder, which honestly would have been a way more interesting book. (laughs) Um, Yeah. There's talk of the order, but they never show up and do anything. The magic system needs to be fleshed out, and if we could just not include sexual and emotional enslavement as an aspect of a magic system in a fantasy book, it'd be real cool and refreshing. I Mm -hmm. dare say at least Terry Goodkind did his in an inventive way with confessors. And while we're here, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say that I'd rather read another fucking MHI than read any more of this harem shit. If you can only really create a harem or a polyamorous situation by tying it to... Magical automatic love via sex at the cost of actual agency and affection, especially when women and femmes are involved. Fuck off forever. I'm <laughs> sorry, but like, even though MHI yeah. had like way more bullets than pages, I still would <laughs> rather go through that because at least it was mostly action. And yeah, there was like some misogyny and stuff, but it was always fade to black. It was very gun
1: porn. Yeah. Regular porn. Just
0: give me the gun porn. God, I don't even like that, but I'd still rather at least, you know, we had trailer park elves and other interesting things going on. This this. Yeah.
1: So a credit to the MHI author, I suppose.
0: I think I now understand why so many people like his books. Because this is the fucking cesspool that those books are floating (laughs) above.
1: (laughs) (sighs) All right. Well, I think that brings us to a close on our thoughts about Power Mage. Thank you, Austin, for recommending this to us. We certainly would have never come across this.
0: Definitely not. Um, Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. All right, patrons, I'm going to give you a nice sleepy thank you for tonight. Thank you, Dari, Greg, Veronica, Will, D, Jared, Lynn, Dinya, Yakub, Bobby Black Cat, Lycoris, Elliot, Kieran, Martin, Jay, Scott, Luchek, CTAP1, Miri, Yanka, David, Julius, Anya, Anonymous, Patricia, Austin, Donnie, and our newest patron, Crimson Paladin. Wait, if we have a Paladin, does that mean we have a terrible book army now?
1: I suppose at least we have a leader for it.
0: We have a ter- the beginning of a terrible book defense. Yes.
1: Someone's got to be ranger class. Someone, someone's <laughs> got to be like the spellcaster.
0: Yeah. What about you, Anonymous? Do you want to be the ranger? Patricia can maybe <laughs> cast spells. I don't know. You got anything up your sleeve? Um, anyway, thank you, Crimson Paladin, for joining our ranks and I guess protecting us and being our de facto military leader. I suppose we've made that decision for you now. Welcome. Thank you for your support. <laughs> Um, it's a lot of
1: responsibility you, to take on. Thank you.
0: <laughs> if, uh, if you also want to help support the show and uh, arbitrarily be assigned really big, responsible roles, <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, become a patron on our Patreon, patreon.com slash terrible book club. You can subscribe and or watch and comment and like things on our YouTube channel. Uh, or you can follow us on other social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Goodreads. Most importantly, though, we'd really love if you shared the show. Gave it a review, maybe told somebody about it. That'd be cool. Uh, If you want to contact us directly, you can send us a message on the aforementioned social media platforms, or you can send an email to us at terriblebookclub.com. Terriblebookclub at gmail.com. That is terriblebookclub.com is just a website. It's not yeah. the email you
1: put that in your email <laughs> bar it's, it'll come back that mail <laughs> demon or whatever <laughs> that google sends out
0: it will summon the male demon uh so instead that's what it
1: sends back to you when you like use your to demon goes an,
0: yeah yeah demon. It's,
1: it's, they're out there man
0: i mean it it's from email hell chris i don't know what to tell you yeah. like, we all know email hell is real um Anyway, if you want to email us, <laughs> send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com.
1: Well, I think it's time to say goodbye. I think and, it is time. Uh, I don't know. Don't fuck people that you meet on the street after they psychically uh, save a cat from the ocean, even if you're also psychic or something. Just like, I don't know. Get to know them first.
0: Yeah, watch out. You might end up bonding for life accidentally. Sounds like a big commitment to make accidentally. Oof. Yeah,
1: unlike Crimson Paladin, who is completely willingly becoming the general of a <laughs>
0: terrible book of defense, a terrible book defense, Captain Captain Crimson Paladin. Um, yeah. Oh man, sorry. I think I'm just still. I I feel I was mad about this book, and then we started reading the next book, and now I'm just stuck in this this terrible miasma of horrible sex mm-hmm. books, and I yeah. I just I just want to leave. I don't want to be here anymore.
1: Yeah. I don't want to be here either, but February is coming up not too soon either, uh, so we're probably going to get right back into it at some point.
0: Uh, yeah, I hope we Maybe get. Maybe we'll re- try to
1: find something romance angle that isn't a sex book.
0: No, we have a patron request coming up that's a romance, but it's no, uh, okay. it, but it doesn't have any graphic sex. So, uh, at least that. Yes.
1: Well, I- we'll see you then. Um, if we have, if Crimson Paladin has still held up his defense against the butter people, uh, for us.
0: <laughs> And and their elder brethren, the bald people in Key West.
1: All right, Godspeed, Crimson Paladin, and the rest of you. <laughs> See you later.
0: Bye, Chris.